Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 2, verse uh, 6 through 12. Again, that's Matthew chapter 2, verses 6 through 12. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can find one underneath the chair in front of you, and you can open it to page 757. Please stand for the reading of God's word. And hear now the word of the Lord. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained them uh, what time the star had appeared. He had sent them to the Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen, it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold, and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Um... Before I start, I just wanted to remind everybody that there is a Christmas potluck today at 5 o'clock. If you have not signed up and want to bring something, you can still sign up online. Otherwise, what you can do is just come. And just like Karen said, it's going to be some awesome food. There's going to be an awesome, ugly sweater Christmas contest. And there's going to be a mediocre um, trivia contest because I'm going to lead that one. It's mediocre. But uh, the guys really wanted to humor me, uh, and I really thank them for that. So I was thinking about what I could call the trivia, uh, triviacalypse, or Christmas trivia, or, or let's get quizzical. Or, and then I was thinking about all these things, because I just want to have some fun. But thank you guys for humoring me, and we'll have a mediocre trivia night, too, with mediocre presence. But otherwise, everything else will be awesome. I hope to see you at 5 o'clock at, um, at the potluck tonight. Now let's pray before we start. Prepare our hearts, O oh Lord, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. We're actually taking a break from our sermon series, Matthew, and today we're just going to do Matthew chapter 2, but Merry Christmas. This is a rare occasion that we can hold worship together with everybody, meaning if you look around, you will see kids, you will see um, babies, you will see people in elementary all the way up to now, adults, and so this is a rare occasion that we get to worship with every member of the family, and children, I want to tell you that this is your time now to learn from your parents on how to worship God in the gathering of the church. 
Christmas can be a stressful time. Uh, some of you saw my wife at the mall the other day and then asked where I was. And then she would say somewhere else. Because Christmas is a stressful time, I realized that if I go out driving in North Bergen during this time, my holiness level starts to drop. <laughs> and it's like, you think you cut me? I have a 200, whatever. But, um, and so I'd rather just stay away from that, but uh, it doesn't affect my wife. She is holier than me, so praise God for that. Uh, this is why I continue to urge people, get married quicker, and then you will see that your partner is holier than you in so many ways. And so it's a blessing to get married. Um, driving is crazy, parking, forget about it. But this is where we gather together to remind ourselves there's something more than just Christmas shopping and even giving of gifts. I also told my wife, I'm going to embarrass myself by reciting a poem uh, to help you remember, especially because we have younger people, uh, to help you remember the whole sermon. So if you want to remember the whole sermon, I put all the themes into a small poem. It's, it's, it's more like a rhyme scheme than a poem. It is embarrassing, but I, I did, I, if I can't be embarrassing in front of my family, then where else can I be embarrassed? So here we go. We must not lose sight of the main reason for the season. Bam, that rhyme is crazy, right? It's killer. I thought of that myself, but we must not lose sight of the main reason for the season. Christmas is more than just a holiday where you get things just to give away by ordering things from your liquid crystal display. On Christmas, we celebrate Advent, but there are those that are unbent, unsent, whose worship is fraudulent, who object to Christ's descent, therefore will reside in eternal torment. But we, his children, celebrate his first coming to the earth, our Lord and Savior's childbirth, and now give him his due worth. And that's it. That's it. So if you, if you remember that poem, then, wow, okay. But this is just kind of an overall summary of what I'm going to be talking about today. We started with a prophecy in Matthew, and it's a prophecy from Micah. This prophecy was written 700 years before Jesus was born. 700 years before, there was a prophecy that Jesus, the Savior of the world, the shepherd king, would be born in Bethlehem. And so, magi come from the east. Who are they? Some of us think they're kings. Some of us think they're wise men, but they are not. Some of us think there are three, but that's not true either. How many magi are there? Uh, probably more than three, perhaps 300, and maybe even 3,000. But it was a caravan of magi. Magi is where we get the word, when we add the word see, magic, right? So magi is, or are people who perhaps were counseled to kings. So perhaps wise men is better than king if we're going to sing. But there's a song that I sang when I was a kid. And as a kid, I remember my cousins and I, the three of us, we would dress up. And then we would sing, we three kings of Orient are, right? And the only true part about that line is these people were from the east, the Orient, but there aren't three and there weren't kings. But these were a group of magi. They saw a star 
and they traveled for a very long time. Many people perhaps speculate that they perhaps traveled for over a year looking at this star. Some people thought it was a colliding or a, um, a coming together of Jupiter and Saturn. Some people thought it was a supernova that happened. Some people thought this was the tail end of a comet. But I believe this was a supernatural occurrence. When they saw it in the sky, and these people were studied in astrology and astronomy, they knew what the stars were doing and moving, and they saw this really special star, and they set out on a journey. They didn't know how long it would take, but they knew this was special. By the time they got to Herod, who was king at the time, they went and they asked them this question. This is the question they asked them. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now I want you to note the wording here. It's not, where is he who has been born that will become the king of the Jews? It's, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? These people who have no idea about what's going on in Israel comes from the east, perhaps even a year or two from the time they saw the star, comes and asks Herod this question. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews. And this troubled Herod because he was king. No one told him there was another king. And so he consulted his wise men. He called his own magi or wise men over. And they said, oh, they're going to, or he is going to be born in Bethlehem because of what we just read, this prophecy in Micah. Not only that, there's a prophecy in Numbers 27, 24, excuse me, 24, 17, which says, A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And here we have the two main things that we see in this passage. And they are worship and worship. Worship and worship. The Magi came traveling all the way from the east to worship the king. And here Herod also goes, Ah, when you find this boy, when you find this guy, then also tell me that I too may worship him. But we all know that was a lie. There are two kinds of worship. One is a hypocritical worship, and one is a genuine worship. The hypocritical worship is really the worship of the self. Hypocritical means fake, two-faced, and a lie. Herod asks the wise men to tell him where Jesus is so that he too may also go worship him. But what we really know is he wants to go so that he can kill him. He wants to go because he doesn't want any other worship than to himself. Hypocritical worship is really the worship of the self because you are the one that needs to feel good you are the one that needs to be satisfied you are the main actor in the play but that is a lie you are not the main character in this story christmas shows us who the main character of the story is it's jesus he's the true king of all. 
After listening to the king, it says in verse 9, they went on their way. And behold, the star that had been, when it rose, it appeared again. So they started to follow the star again. And they were so happy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, it says in verse 10. And then they saw it rest on top of this house, this star. And they went in. They saw, they saw the whole family of Jesus there. They saw the child with his mother Mary. And this is what they did. They fell down and worshipped him. True worship focuses not on yourself, but focuses on Jesus. True worship bows in submission to Jesus. But true worship also brings true joy. Worship is what defines us as humans. As Christians celebrating the birth of Christ, we ought to be reminded that true worship is worshiping Jesus and not anything or anyone else. That's why we've read even in our catechisms that idolatry is when we worship anything other than the true God that is in Christ Jesus in the manner that he wants us to. And this is why I want you to worship in your homes. I want you to worship in your homes. Take time, once a week. Fathers, I want you to take your family after dinner, and I want you to sit them down and spend 15 minutes. Read the Word, teach the Word, pray the Word. 10 to 15 minutes is all you need once a week, and this will teach your children and prepare them for this corporate service. How are they going to take an hour but as a family, you start teaching them. You sit them down after dinner, and you say, this is about worshiping God. It's more than about you being entertained. It's more than about just you feeling good, but it's about giving worship to God. Don't make worship about them or about you. Make it about Jesus and his holy word. Everybody, not just families here, even if you're single, I want you to take time and worship God. Separate yourselves from the world and say, I am going to read the word, I'm going to be taught the word, and I'm going to pray the word. This is about worship. These are true worshipers that worship God. Not only did the Magi do this, continues on in the second part of verse 11. It goes, Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold was a gift given to kings. Frankincense was incense used by priests most of the time. But myrrh is kind of special because myrrh was a spice that people would use back in the day to anoint the dead. But they gave and offered him gifts. We must give God his due. Do not rob from God and hold back your tithes and offerings. Throughout my life as a pastor, I do not think I've ever talked about tithes and offerings. And this is my fault. This is my mistake. Because as a pastor, I need to teach this congregation all the ordinances of worship every aspect, and not just hold anything back. And so this is what the Bible teaches us. 
we must give our material and physical goods because material and physical goods always follow the heart. The heart. If you want to know where your heart is, then there's an easy way to figure it out. Just open up your checkbook. Or, if you're a younger person, open up your credit card statement. And we know where your heart is. Show me all your purchases. That's where your heart is. We must give God as due because if our heart is, like we say, truly to God, then we will give God tithes and offerings. I am going to exhort all the families here to teach your children well, and especially in worship and giving. Some people have argued in this manner, and I'm going to address it. People say that this tithe and offering has, from the Old Testament has been abrogated because of the new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that is false, that's not true. What has been abrogated is the priestly sacrifice and also the food laws, okay? Those two we see clearly abrogated in the New Testament, meaning these have now been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. However, there are laws that we still follow from the Old Testament because they are good and they are useful and that we ought to do it. For instance, do not murder. That is a good law. Just because it's in the Old Testament and Jesus Christ is now bringing in the New Covenant doesn't mean we can now go around murdering people. It's like, oof, Jesus Christ, and now I guess I can murder that's not true. So there are good laws that we ought to follow. And one of these good ones are from the Old Testament that is about tithing and giving your offerings. In fact, the one that you might be familiar with is Malachi, which is the last book of the Bible. Which is, you might be thinking, why would God just end it with that if he was going to just get rid of it anyway? But in the last book of the Bible, it says, do not rob from God and hold back your tithes and offerings. And so these magi, all the way from the east, would travel, but they would hold dear. And you can imagine, if it's a traveling through the desert, through the wilderness, through this incredibly dangerous journey, how many times do you think people would have thought, can I rob these guys? They are carrying some pretty amazing stuff. Gold is very hard to hide, but incense, it's even harder to hide because you can smell that. And so will you rob God? And then people will say, how are, you how are we robbing you, God? How have we robbed you? And this is what God says, in your tithes and contributions or in your tithes and offerings. When we come to God, we give our tithes and offerings. This is what the Magi did in their worship, and this is what God also exhorts and tells his people to do. Again, this law has never been abrogated. In fact, in the New Testament, if you look at giving, they give way more generously than 10%. In fact, a lot of people just sell everything they had. Billy Graham, the very famous preacher, uh, when he talked about tithe, he said, he gave this example. Um, don't steal. Don't steal. But if you have to steal, <laughs> this is Billy Graham, but if you have to steal, steal from your neighbor. Uh, steal from your boss. Uh, steal from your friends, steal from your family, but don't steal from God. Don't steal. I'm, I'm saying, like, don't steal. And if you have to steal, come talk to me, then I'll try to talk you out of it. But his point was, give the king his due. Give the king his due. Once again, I said gold was given to kings, so we come presenting an offering that is due a king. Frankincense 
was used by priests in holy ceremonies, but it's like as if I put scented candles all over the stage here. If you were outside and you were going to walk in, if I had the incense lit and all the candles lit, you would know because you smelled it. It would get into one of your five senses and it would be so powerful, you'd be like, ah, so this is a place that is sacred and holy. You would have known by your smell. And lastly, myrrh. It was a spice to anoint the dead. So we see a king, we see a priest, and if you've been following with me through Matthew, the last one, we see a prophet. But what does a prophet have to do with myrrh or death? Even from the very beginning, God was showing us that Jesus Christ here was born because he was going to die, just as every prophet was killed and murdered, but he would die a death that would cover all his people. A king, a prophet, and a priest, we see it all in Jesus Christ. We see that in this giving. In your life, I hope that you will give God his due. You will give him worship. You will give him your offerings. You will let your fragrance shine and show the world that you are a true worshiper of the one true God. And you will be reminded every day of your life that as you worship God, it was Jesus that came to this earth that died for us. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus didn't come here to live richly and lavishly, but he came to this earth to die. He died for your sins so that you could live richly and lavishly in heaven. Christmas is also called Advent because this is Jesus' first coming. But there is also a second Advent. This is when the trumpet will sound and he will raise up all those that belong to him who are true worshipers and bring them to his side for all eternity. But at the same time, the hypocritical worshipers, he will cast away from his presence. And this is what we call hell. And they will suffer for eternity. Follow Jesus while there still is time and become true worshipers, the worshipers he calls you to be. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this Christmas season for reminding us of why you came to this earth. We are humbled because here, even during this time, we may be tempted to live lavishly and richly, but we are reminded that the main focus is on you who gave up your lavish riches in heaven to come down to this earth as a baby to die for us on the cross. So this humbles us in our understanding. It humbles us in our spirit. Help us to live in a worthy manner, worshiping the only one true king, Jesus. This Christmas brings us joy because now we have assurance of eternity with our one true king, Jesus Christ, and we thank you for that. Let's take this time to pray and reflect. As you pray and reflect, I ask that you would ask God to make you into a true worshiper, to worship in your homes, to worship wherever God would send you, to not be stingy, to hold back your tithes and offerings, but to give him his due worth 
in every area of your life. It's God who judges, and he's the one that commands you to worship him and not anything else in the manner that he chooses. So let's pray, and I ask that the Holy Spirit would be with you and convict you where you need to change, and may the transforming power of his Spirit work in your lives now. But let's pray.